But turn your Bibles this morning to the second epistle of Corinthians. We in Second Corinthians uh, chapter one. This is a powerful message that Paul gives here. Uh, I think it's something we need to understand. Is just like the song said earlier, um uh, W said right before the song, and uh Stacy also that this God who we profess to be a part of, the children of God, you must believe him and believe in him, not just believe who he is. That's exactly what that song that Jamie did saying El Shaddai meant to Israelites. Is that they know that he is the only God. And there's many names for God. You notice that there's there's about a, a probably 150 names for God. I've studied every one of them. And if you do the book study of K. Arthur's book, The Study of God, God I Want to Know You, is the best book ever written in names of God. And she draws down from the studies of each one, but you'll you'll get a picture when he provides for you, he's Al-Jira. When he heals you, he's Rafa. A jealous God is uh, the uh, jealous God is, is uh, what I call Kwana. It's all God. It's all the God that we serve, but it's different names of him. Nisi, Adjanai, the creator. But all these different words have a meaning to Israel and the times they went through, landmarks in their life that they went through. And see, but the... Names that we use for God, they will not use. We call they will not dare. You will not hear dare hear a Jewish person call God Father or Daddy. To them, it's slant. To them, it's slang. One of the most, uh, I guess, most the best privileges I had was being able to house here in our uh, Family Life Center, Jose's Church, for four years. The Libertad Ministries, and they call God Sir because Sir is the highest form of appreciation you can give to someone. And, that, and they, they say sir when they pray. They say sir. And they call him father also, but sir is the most reverent word. And I, to me, I think sir is just the thing we yes or no, sir. I mean, it's just a word we use to still have some effect on how you appreciate someone, but not. it's just more like a, a sign that we've been taught as early to respect the persons. But to them, it's dear. Sir is dear. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to see how they uh, have the reverence they have in worship. And we was blessed by having them here for four years. And uh, now they have their own church down the road in Cut and Shoot. And they're the Cut and Shoot Libertad now. So, And they're growing. They're, they're bigger than we are. We've, they've outgrown us. God has blessed them. And God has blessed us for having them. And he's blessed us many times over. But Paul says here to the people in Corinth, he's... He's starting these churches all over the world, folks, as he goes as evangelists. And he's teaching them the basics. And then Timothy is coming along by his side. And he said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, and to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in Achaia, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, blessed be God. It's okay for you to bless God. You understand that? Bless God for all he's done. Bless God for Christ his son. Let us bow before him because he's holy. You can bless God, folks. A lot of people think, well, I can't bless God. I'm, no, I'm way under God. He loves to hear you bless his holy name. He loves to hear you say, Father, I love you. I bless your name. And yes, he does make it accountable to us through Jesus Christ so we can bless him. And bless everything. He, not just him blessing us, but you bless God with your voice. He loves to hear his children Pray to him. He loves his children sing songs back to him and his word back to him, recite his word back to him. He loves to hear you talk from your heart, saying, I bless you, Father, for this day you have made. 
Bless you for holding me last week when I needed somebody to hold me. Bless you, Father, for all things you've done. Bless you for being sovereign. There's no one else sovereign but you. And just, just bless him with your mouth. And he loves, and I guarantee if you don't get goosebumps from your heels to the top of your head, something's wrong with you. He's going to bless you right back when you say, bless you, Father. And I bless you in the name of Jesus, my Lord and Savior. And he loves to hear that from his people. But Paul said that several times in his letters. Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, which is the Holy Ghost. See, the Holy Spirit has been given this job of the hardest job there is to me in the universe, being our buddy, being our friend, being our comforter, our counselor. He is always with us. See, Lord Jesus got a big break when he went to heaven. Holy Ghost, he is with us. Everything that we have and go through, he is with us. He is Jesus Christ in the Spirit. He is God the Father in the Spirit. And he has a ministry of, at all. I'm talking, he has a ministry set before him to hear every whine we whine about, every complaint we come to him with, even our thoughts and he, even our motives, he takes in and he filters those out before they get to God the Father and the throne of Christ Jesus and the mercy seat. He filters those things out in our mind and he takes the garbage out and the good things he puts in there, see? And so God hears when we pray, filtered through the Holy Spirit. Hears through his Holy Spirit's translation, interpreting those things to God. He says he interprets our groans. When you're hurt too much, all you can do is fall on your face in the bed and just cry. There's no words to say. You're hurt so bad, you're swallowing lumps in your throat. And your tears are falling on your face. And you hear no words to say. A very traumatic situation. He interprets those tears and those groans right to the mercy seat of God. And God hears that prayer of those tears. And I guarantee you, if you ain't been there yet, you're going to be there. There's going to be a time in your life where you're going to have those times where you have nothing to say, where you just weep and, and you're so much sorrowful in your heart. There's so much weight of sorrow and despair. You just cry. That's okay. Jesus wept, and he's king of the world. Amen? He's king of the universe, and he wept. He wept before Lazarus. He wept for Jerusalem, but he did something about it. See? It's okay to weep, but the Holy Spirit interprets those tears to God the Father. That's one of his mercies. The Father of mercy and the God of all comfort, which is his Holy Spirit, who comforts us in tribulation. Now listen to this. Everybody goes, well, I don't know why we suffer. Why the righteous suffer, Brother Daryl? Because you need to. Okay? You need to. If you don't suffer, you'll never grow. If you don't suffer some kind of trial or tribulation, you'll never grow. If you don't have a struggle, you'll never know to grow. You'll just say, oh, I'm just blessed, and Lord, just take me home, and it'll, it'll be it. You know, The struggles we go through, it says many times over in Paul's letters that we suffer because we may be able to comfort them now, which are in any trouble by the comfort wherein we ourselves are comforted. The Holy Spirit pulls us through those times. We can give God the glory, and he pulls us through those times where we can help somebody else along later on when they go through suffering. That's the ministry we have given to us by the Holy Spirit of God. But the Lord Jesus said, if you are mine, you're going to suffer tribulation. Because this world is not going to like you. Okay? I don't mean we're not going to love each other and like each other. But this world is not going to like. They're going to actually hate the joy they see in you. But you know what? That hate's going to turn to wanting one day because they're going to see you're full of joy. 
And they're going to want what you have because they have everything they're looking for in all the wrong places not filling that void in their heart. They're going to want what you have because they see you, even in despair and the trauma you're going through, you have the joy of the Lord as your strength. And you're shouting that and you're living that. They're going to say, I want what that person has. And that want's going to become a seeking in their heart to trust God. And folks, it has never failed. You just pray the Lord uses his vessel to reach the lost and dying world out there that's suffering and despair and trying to find that peace in every other place but God's divine grip. And you pray, Lord, just lead them. Holy Spirit, God, lead them into that grip. Rims that place that's higher than I, higher than any other person, higher than the highest power, and take them to that highest power, God himself. And he will lead them. It may be several different steps he takes to lead them there. But he says our our ministry there is in the sufferings of Christ. Abound, he says, for the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. As whether we are be afflicted, as is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And I doubt that very seriously because anybody here has been through what Apostle Paul went through in his lifetime. He'd been shipwrecked, he'd been jailed, he'd been beaten, stoned, left for dead several times and had hardships all along the way. And yet he's one of the most powerful preachers and writers of God's Word. See, he still shine. He still shine when the ministry wasn't going well. He's having to make tents to survive and make those things to trade that people ain't buying. and got tents stacking up, nobody's buying them. When he's in jail between two guards, he's writing these beautiful stories out. See? From the jail in Ephesus, he's writing things out between chain to a table. He's writing these beautiful letters out because he didn't let these things keep him down. See, you can't keep a good man down. They tried that with the Lord Jesus. They couldn't keep him in the grave, could they? Death didn't have no hold on him. See? And Jesus promised them, when I suffer, I'm going to rise again. He told him every time. He said, anytime I come and do his suffering the cross, he added to that. And the third day, what? Rise again. I'm going to defeat death and the grave and hell and sin for you. So see, Paul's just, in, he's just exhorting us. He's exhorting the people in Corinth. He's exhorting us to keep that hope. And verse 7 says here, And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that, you're partakers of the sufferings, so shall you be also the consolation. That means we suffer with Christ as his followers here on earth, so we can also share in the sufferings and also share in the glory, which is before us in the future. We share in all the things that Christ has will be ours. That's hard to even imagine because he created the heavens and earth. He formed the foundations of this universe, folks. There's nothing that he has not touched and created in this universe. And if you look at our world here in the universal point of view, we're just a little speck of salt, okay, in a vast ocean. We are very tiny. For God to want to bless us in this little bitty island we live on is a miracle itself. Because all that he's created, and he blesses us, and he causes his sons and daughters, that is a miracle in itself. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, and that's one of the places they were beat and stoned. That they were pressed out of measure. In other words, what he's talking about, this is not just a convenience we fall into. It's not something you have like the bank ate your debit card or something, you know. The machine ate your debit card. This is run out of town with people beating you with these big sticks and beating you until you're bleeding half to death and leave you for dead. 
That's what he's talking about, pressed out of measure. And we don't have to go through that kind of thing here. Above strength, in other words, they faint. Above strength, they can't even get up off the ground, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not know or trust in ourselves, but in God which raised the dead. Amen? Where's our trust in? In God who raised the dead. Can anybody in this room raise the dead? Have you done that lately? Then you can't raise the dead? Well, you better put trust in somebody who can, right? The one who created all the heavens and earth and everything and your little heart that beats and puts blood, pumps blood through your body a thousand times a day and knows you by name, knew your soul before it was ever put in your body and he rejoiced in your soul, he's the one you want to put your trust in. He's the only one, okay? I want to put my trust in anything else for eternity. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the King of kings and Lord of lords, he's the one that can take care of you. He is the one that says, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest and nothing else but him, folks. You cannot rest anywhere but in Jesus Christ's bosom. Well, how do you get in his bosom? Holy Spirit of God is his bosom, okay? And Holy Spirit of God says, you know what? I want to tell you something. I miss my time with you. Those moments together. And it hurts me when you say, you're too busy trying to serve me. But how can you serve me when your spirit's empty? There's a longing in my heart to be just a part of you. Each day, though, say, I miss my time with you. That's all he wants, folks, for you to take time, quiet time together with him and to recognize who he is. He's not an it. If I hear one more pastor say it, I'm going to drop kick him somewhere. He is a living, vibrant person of the Trinity. No less God, no less Christ Jesus. Just as much power as God himself and just as much power as Christ Jesus. He is the Holy Spirit of God. I tell you how powerful he is. He's the one whom Jesus said, if you curse me, I'll forgive you. If you curse God, he'll forgive you. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you're a history. You're headed for hell. There's no turning back. Do not blaspheme the Holy Spirit or you're headed for hell. That's how powerful he is. That's also how sensitive he is. If you say, no, stay home, I don't want to have nothing to do with you, he'll do it. He'll do it. If you grieve him, he'll stay there and he'll say, but I'll send my angels before you, still protect you. But he said, I'll let you experience that. Go ahead. Write me a letter. Let me know how it turns out. See? But I'll let you go and experience that by yourself, or I'll go with you and be the brush guard on the truck, knocking stuff down before you get to it. Okay? And knocking those big mountains you're going to go through, and I can level them down the molehills, and you can just ride right over them. But if you want to do that yourself, hey, if you want to do that, go ahead. Let me know how it turns out. When you get ready, I'm still waiting here. When you get ready to come back to me, and it won't be long, I'll be here for you. But, folks, he is a, he is a mighty force of God. He's where all our gifts come from. All of our hope comes from him. All of everything that we have, every step for living, every step we take, brick by brick, step by step, faith by faith, precept by precept, comes from the Holy Spirit of God. So why would you want to leave him at home? Because you ain't nothing without him. And I ain't nothing without him. I'll no more get up here and preach to you out of his word if I didn't believe he was a living, vibrant voice of God and spirit of God. There would be no use for me reading this word. He's what makes this word come alive, folks. He's what makes this word go to your heart, convict your heart of unrighteousness, convict your heart of all the things that slows you down to serve your living God. He's also the one that takes those things that we have, moans and groans and interprets them in a sweet prayer to God. So he has a very 
very far-reaching ministry, folks. It's okay to praise the Holy Spirit of God. He turns around and gives that praise right to God. But it's okay to praise him for who he is. It's okay to invite him everywhere you go. And I'll tell you what, I'm tired of that hearing that. He's my cool father. He's riding shotgun wrong. He better be in the driver's seat. You may get a chance to ride shotgun with him. But he's always in the driver's seat. And if you leave, if you put him in a in the passenger seat over there riding shotgun, you messed up. He don't need no blueprints on what to do. He, you just say, I've showed up for work. I'm available. Use me as your vessel, Holy Spirit, this day, and show up for work every day. And he'll use you to reach someone. I guarantee it. He's never failed me. I've been a Christian 45 years, and he's never failed me. And he's never failed me one time when I didn't even want him around. He was still around. He's called the hound of heaven. Dr. Tony Evans calls him the hound of heaven. If you sick him on somebody, buddy, when somebody comes and says, Brother Darrell, I want you to pray for me. I have trouble with certain things. My eyes need to be focused on Jesus. I said, you sure you want me to pray for you? Because what you're going to get, you're going to get a holy slap. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit of God will get you in line where you need to be. And I'll say, yeah, I'm going to pray that prayer for you because I'm concerned about you. And I love you enough to pray that kind of prayer for you. And they say, yes. They say, yes. Oh, don't do that. Without, they don't want prayer. But he's the one that keeps you in line. He knows just how to do it. He knows how to keep us together, too. But in this, he says, we have this sense of death in ourselves, but we trust in God who delivers us from so great a death and both deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. And that's talking about tomorrow. See, he's not saying he'll deliver us today and guess what he's going to do tomorrow. Same thing, going to deliver us again. Wherever step we take in faith. He delivers us. So he knows the adversary is always ready to just jump right on us. But he delivers us. You also helping together, ye with us, and prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given on our behalf for our behalf. And what he's saying here is corporate prayer. When we pray together, we're a powerful folks. You can pray a prayer. And folks that come to me a lot of times say, Pastor, will you come pray for us? And I will. I don't mind doing that. But you're just as powerful prayer warrior as I am. You understand that? I am not your high priest, okay? I ain't going to charge you money for praying for you either, okay? When I, what I'm going to do is say, you are a Christian. You have all the privilege and honor that I do. Now, I'm your shepherd, sub-shepherd under Christ, the chief shepherd. And I am always praying for you. But corporate prayer, when we pray together, there's so much power going to heaven. It's like a little, It's like a rope. And when you start straining that rope, many, many twain around that rope, and you get more twain and more twain and more twain, and it gets stronger by the wrap, stronger by the wrap. And when we pray corporately, that's what it does. All of us are woven together and twain together, and that voice is going up as one to God. And that has lots of power, folks. Has lots of power. So we're to pray corporately. And what he's talking about here, he said, you're many thanks, many people giving thanks to God for the ministry, and it strengthens them. It's strengthening Paul. And his rejoicing is this in verse 12. For our rejoicing in this, the testimony of our conscience, and in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but with, by the grace of God, we have ourselves in conversation in the world, and more abundantly to you, towards you. See, he said, not worried about fleshly wisdom. Boy, we got enough of that, don't we? Let's look at the commercials on TV. You want to see some fleshly wisdom? 
That's flesh and your wisdom on TV. And that's foolishness to God. It's getting to be foolishness to me. How about you? That junk you see on TV? That stuff they put on there? On TV? It's garbage. Your car has a soul. It's concerned about you. You know, if you pay $27,500 down in 700 months, this car actually becomes your brother or sister or wife or whatever you need it to be. Talks to you along the way and all this kind of stuff. That's a lot of trust to put in the car, ain't it? A lot of money, too. And you got people on TV and they're saying all kinds of things about being positive in yourself. Uh, and just love yourself. Just, just go up to the mirror and hug yourself every morning. See, just be positive about yourself. There's no, there's no mention there about repentance, is there? See, about turning from your evil ways and turning to God and repentance and have him heal you because you can't heal yourself. I don't care what Anthony Robbins said. You ain't going to heal yourself. He's babbling as far as I'm concerned when he talks about healing yourself. There's only one healer. There's only one healer. He's the same one that heals Tony Robbins, too. <laughs> And that's God himself. And he's the only one that can fill that void in your heart. But what it is, Christians, is be always in prayer. Always show up for work because it's your duty. Don't expect praise from men. And don't be jealous of men don't praise you for doing something for them. Don't expect that. Be a modest person, an humble person in heart. I've seen my dad do 45 years of ministry right in front of my face and give blankets and fed the poor, go to Congress Street in Houston, and where it's just right down there where all the, we call it just uh, almost death row. You see people in their last week of life down there. They drink themselves to death. And dad would hang out blankets to them and, and food and water and all kind of packaged crackers and stuff for them to eat and hand out those blankets to them. And it'd be so cold out there, I've seen guys put newspaper over the sewer vents where the warm air would come up through the sewer to keep from freezing to death. And I'd get out of that car and say, boy, Daddy, we sure are. We're blessed, ain't we? And he said, yes, son, we're blessed. we got a home to go to and a heater and all the food we want. And these people here have just had some bad experiences. They, didn't, they need the love of Jesus. And they need blankets and they need water and they need a place to, to stay and food. And I see him do that. But you know what? My dad would be upset if you come to him and pray, try to praise him for that. He's the modest, most modest guy I've ever seen in my life. He said, I'm just doing my job. That's why that job, that word sticks in my mind. If you ask my dad what he's doing, he said, I'm just doing my job as a Christian. He was a deacon in the church for 50 years. But what he tell you is I'm doing my job. What God called me to do. That's the ministry he gave me to do. And he never forgot that. Well, folks, I want to tell you, each one of us has a job as a Christian, okay? And we have that same modesty and humble heart that Jesus had. See, Jesus himself didn't like praise of men. He, when he, matter of fact, when he said a man wanting to get praise for doing something, he said he just got his reward there, okay? In other words, he was praised by men. They praised him and applauded him, but there's nothing in heaven for him. He just lost his reward in heaven because he wanted praise of men. So it's vain. It's vanity. Now, somebody comes up and praises you, you just thank them for the Lord say, it came from him. It all comes from God. Give God the glory. Then you receive your reward in heaven. But what he's saying here is in all situations, to trust in him, and he will get you through. See, God will make a way when there seems to be no way, and this is what he's best at doing, folks. He's best at making those ways when man sees no way. He makes a way through everything that he does, and he orchestrates it all. But he wants you to be as faithful. And I want you to say this with me. I know whom I believe in, 
And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I mean, you trust in him completely, folks. With everything, every breath, every step you take in this life, you trust in Christ Jesus. And you've committed to him your soul, your heart, your ministry. Everything you have is in him. And on that day of judgment, we will not be judged. Amen? We go before the judgment seat of Christ. Everybody else is lost, goes to the judgment seat of God. We are judged by God's word here as Christians. And we live by God's word, and we live walk by faith in his word. What are we placing him, our salvation, and everything else, is locked in him now. And that's forever, folks. That is forever. Our trust is in him completely. And that's what he's saying. You trust in me. And you recite this verse over and over. I know whom I believe in. This is Apostle Paul saying this in 2 Timothy. I know whom I believe in, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. That's the day of judgment. Which we'll see, we will sit down in front of Christ. He will lead us like a shepherd. We'll receive our rewards. While the other part of the whole world's being judged, the white throne of judgment, we're going to be blessed. And he's going to give us those rewards according to our works in him, in Christ Jesus. You know what we're going to do with him in the big crowns? Lay him right back down at his feet. We're going to say, worthy are you, Lord, who has slain from the foundations of the earth. He already had a plan and a purpose from God the Father to give his blood for us. We may receive redemption through your precious blood and you only, our Lord Jesus. And you know what? We've received our reward. We won't care about nothing else. That we're redeemed in Him. He is our Lord forever and ever. We're going to sing a praise song that's going to last a thousand years. We're going to praise His holy name for a thousand years. And you know what? We ain't lost today when we do that in eternity. That's what Paul says. You anchor in that. You anchor in this. Our sojourn here is very short, but we're to make it count for Jesus. Our sojourn here, the days we're getting. Limited, folks. Days are growing, and it's drawing near, and that midnight cry is very close. And it's closer now than it ever has been before, amen, every day. And one day, God's going to get fed up with this world. He's going to say, son, go get my children. And in one twinkling of an eye, one hundredth of a second, Lord Jesus is going to be right here. He's going to meet us in there. We're going to be gone. We're going to be out of here. Folks, these graves around us are going to blow wide open. People are going to freak out, and we're going to be right behind them. If we're still alive, we're going to be right on their heels. And then this world's going to go through seven years of hell and tribulation. We're not going to experience that, praise God. We're going to be with our Lord with a seven-year pet rally in heaven. That's a pretty long pet rally, folks. And we're going to come back and reign with him right here a thousand years. I say that gets me excited. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. And I'm saying, come, Lord Jesus. But see, he ain't coming right now. Because he had already come. Because that work is to be finished, which he said would be finished. And that's why we're to show folks why we believe in who we believe in. Because he's the son of God. And he has a purpose and plan for them also. Amen. So we're to be that light. Be that consistent in prayer. Be that consistent in praise back to him. Be that consistent in loving one another as he has commanded us to do. And then, just like him, we have conquered the world. Amen. We are more than conquerors to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this word you've given us today. And I hope each word has sunk into our heart of hearts, Lord.
And each word has been nourished in our souls. We take each word of yours, Father. Pass the bone and marrow to their heart of hearts and be those vessels you call us to be. Lord, I pray for this one person here who does not know your son as Lord and Savior today to be the day of salvation for them. They can come and right here at this altar receive your son as their Lord and Savior and forever overcome the world and have salvation through him, Father. And I praise you, Father. You have made it necessary for them to come to you through your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit of God, saturate every heart in this room. Revive every soul in this room. Convict every heart in this room today, Holy Spirit of God. Use us, Father, as your vessels and the mighty power of your Holy Spirit to rescue the perishing in Jesus' name. This is our prayer. We know there's an urgency there. We figure spirit is like a train rumbling on the edge of town. He wants to bring revival, Father, but our hearts have to be receptive to him coming in. We have to be made right with you ourselves. So fill each heart with your love, Father. Today, we may be those vessels used by you. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.